Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. This is Bump and Stacy on Seattle Sports. Streaming through the Seattle Sports app. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Ross. Here we go now. Joining us now on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline, he's going to help us understand a bit more about the new Seahawks head coach. It's ESPN's Brady Henderson. Brady, how's it going? Hey, what's up, Stacy? How are you? Uh, I'm good. Uh, Bump and I are eager to find out, obviously, more as much as we can about Mike McDonald. But I, I have a question about kind of like coaching rules because, Brady, my big question is he's 36 years old. Where do you even start when it comes to filling out this coaching staff? So what are the rules uh, in regards to bringing in guys who are current defensive coordinators or offensive coordinators with other teams? Do you expect them to turn to the college ranks? What are you kind of looking at here? Yeah, that, that is a question I've been trying to nail down the last few days just because, that you know, whenever they did hire the coach, that was going to be the first order of business for the new guy. And so the, the way I understand it is that, generally speaking, if a, somebody is still under contract, uh, then they would need their team to let them out of that contract if it was on paper, you know, going to be a lateral move. So a guy who's an offensive coordinator uh, in one team would need to be let out of that contract in order to take the same job. Uh, with another team now, I think there's workarounds to that. One, I, I believe that if you give the guy, a, you know, a certain title or you know perhaps more responsibilities, then that would be one way. Uh, you know, the team wouldn't be able to really turn keep that guy from getting a promotion. So, you know, for instance, if it's a guy who's an offensive coordinator but doesn't have play calling, uh, then being a play calling coordinator would be a promotion that I believe the other team would not be able to stop. Um, I, I've, I've heard somebody say that you could maybe give the guy, you know, a fancy title as well, like give him the title of assistant head coach or something like that. And that could be another workaround. But I think the, the reason you're asking is because, you know, some of these other guys that they've interviewed, um, namely Mike Kafka, I, I have wondered if he could be, um, you know, a possibility for them. Now he was the play caller, uh, with the giants under Brian Dable. But, you know, as I was researching him as a guy who could end up being Seattle's next coach, you know, I, I learned that, um, you know, I think this is out there as well, that, you know, there, there was some thought that Brian Dable was kind of, you know, secretly taking over play calling duties from him. So point being, that may be a situation where they would let him out if the Seahawks truly wanted Kafka to be their offensive coordinator. Now, one name I've heard for defensive coordinator uh, for Seattle is Zachary Orr, who has been the Ravens inside linebackers coach the past two seasons. Obviously, going from a position coach to a defensive coordinator would be a clear promotion. So I don't think there would be anything getting in the way of that move if he is indeed the guy that they want to hire. Uh, that was my next question. You may have just answered it. Um, I don't know how well you know the coaching staff, but um, naturally when I'm looking at uh, McDonald and what he can do and who he could bring, you go to the guys with lesser roles, right? I go to the assistant wide receiver coach and Keith Williams. I look at a guy who's a offensive quality control like Travis Switzer. You got T Martin over there with the quarterback coaches. Um, is there any, any other name that you've been hearing or a name that you, you think would make that move or is it just Zachary or uh, so far? He's the only name I've heard. Now I haven't really digged into that, uh, dug into that part of it yet. The whole staff part of it just yet, just because I've been focusing on, uh, McDonald itself, but I mean, there you see it every time, as you know, bump that any time a coach gets hired, uh, he's going to pluck at least one or two assistants from the team that he came from. You know, you know, it's the same thing when, um, you know, a GM gets hired, they usually bring with them a couple personnel assistants from the front office. 
So you can you can bet that there's going to be at least one or two assistants uh, that follow McDonald from Baltimore to Seattle, and I wouldn't be surprised if they try to pluck some of Baltimore's players, especially their defensive players, uh, to come join them just to help with that transition, that defensive transition. Now, um, yeah, I don't know if the Seahawks are, are going to be have the you know the funds to be huge players in free agency, so I yeah I don't know if they're going to be able to afford somebody like Justin Matabuike. Uh, or maybe even Patrick Queen, but um, I think you, I think you're also going to see at least some Baltimore players, uh, at least a few follow McDonald to Seattle as well as some assistant coaches. We're talking with ESPN Seahawks reporter Brady Henderson. Brady, can you remind me of the relationship between John Schneider and the hiring process for coaches? Because he now has full say over the coaching staff, right? Uh, well. I mean, he has full say, he has final say, or I mean, I should say, I guess Jody Allen has final say in pretty much everything in the organization because she's the owner, but Schneider led the coaching search. Now, from what I understand, I mean, he's going to let the the new head coach pick his staff, but I I do think that he's going to help the coach with that process. And again, I do wonder if part of the thinking and bringing in as many guys as they did for second interviews was, yeah, they, they were vetting those guys as potential head coaches, and that was the primary reason they brought them in. But I also wonder if, uh, you know, they were, were using that opportunity to say, okay, if they don't hire that guy as the head coach, now you've got some information on him uh, as, a, as a possible offensive or defensive coordinator. And so, again, that brings into, you know, the to play, the other rules that would come along with that. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I – I think typically what you see is the the GM hires the coach and then the coach hires his staff. I'm sure there's going to be some input from John Schneider there, but I, I think he's going to leave that for the most part up to Mike McDonald. Um, there were uh, there were two Seahawks and the Commanders, and then when Ben Johnson obviously decided to stay in Detroit, um, we felt like it, it came down to to Quinn and uh, and McDonald. What do you think? was the selling point to him making the decision to come here? Because it seems like um, he could have had his pick, right? The commanders or the Seattle Seahawks. What is it about this organization that you felt made it easy for him to uh, start his head coaching career here? Yeah, no, that's an interesting one. And I, cause I don't think that, um, you know, the, the, the Washington is as bad of a situation nearly as bad as it was. I mean, they've got a new owner there in Josh Harris who, um, I mean, he, anything would be better than the owner that they had there previously in Dan Snyder. And, you know, I was talking to our guy in Washington, John Kahn about this, and it sounds like, you know, the, the ownership situation there is committing more money to players, not just in terms of payroll, but, um, you know, more monies in terms of sports science and things like that. Uh, you know, Washington also has a, uh, you know, the second overall pick um, and they've got some money to spend in free agency. So I think, in past years, this would have been an absolute no-brainer and that the Seahawks would have been the, clearly the better choice. I don't think it was as big of a gap this year now that Washington seems like an organization that could be, you know, um, could be on the rise to some degree. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't I, – I would have to ask Mike McDonald about that because I don't want to presume. But, um, I mean, I think the Seahawks just for the last few years have had, you know, the much better reputation and – um, maybe he felt like there was more to work with defensively uh, in Seattle than in Washington. Remember, you know, the commanders sort of traded some key pieces away at the deadline last year. Uh, but again, you know, they've got a new owner and they've got uh, the second overall pick. So I, I don't know if that was as clear cut as maybe it would have been in recent years. What kind of impact, if any, do you think that the success of Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay had on this particular hire? 
I think that had to be, Stacey, one of the central questions in this hire for John Schneider is how do you get, how do you find a way to get to catch up to, to especially the 49ers, but right. also the, the Rams who beat them twice this past season have really had their number uh, for the most part over the last few years, except for 2022. Um, and so, I mean, I think there's, you know, it, it's two very smart offensive minds in the same division that you've got to catch up to. And I think this past off season, as, as much as the Seahawks did last year to add talent and to try to close that gap. I mean, they, the 49ers are still a superior team talent wise. And so how do you close that gap with your scheme? And I think that this is the best way to do it. Now you could have made an argument that, okay, you can either do that offensively or defensively, right? Like you can, you can try to keep up with the 49ers and the Rams uh, on the scoreboard and hire an offensive guy like Ben Johnson, who has coordinated one of the best offenses in the NFL the past two seasons. And I, I, you know, maybe we'll never know, but I'm curious what that decision would have been like if Johnson were still in play. Of course, he opted to stay in Detroit. He removed his name from consideration. And I think once that happened, then to me, McDonald was the easy choice, just knowing that this guy is going to bring in a scheme uh, that is going to, you know, help help give them a scheme advantage, which I just don't think they've had on either side of the ball uh, the past two seasons. And we'll see if it's good enough to help them, you know, close that gap with Baltimore, uh, or excuse me, with San Francisco and the Rams. I think, you know, beyond just the X's and O's of it, look at what, you know, look at how many players in Baltimore had career seasons last year and guys that took these massive jumps. Uh, even some veteran guys like Jademian Clowney and Kyle Van Noy, who were pretty good for them. So I think that's an encouraging sign for the Seahawks is that this is a, a guy who, at least on defense, has shown that he can get the most out of players. Obviously, he had great personnel with the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, you mentioned some of the names. You got Queen, Smith, Hamilton, uh, Clowney had a resurgence in, in his career. When you look at the Seahawks personnel, do you think he looked at this defense and said, there are some guys that must be here. We know that Jordan Brooks is up for a contract um, deal over there. Offensively, you got what, Kobe Parks and Damian Lewis. Um, but when you focus on defense and you look at the defense, are there pieces that um, you think McDonald looked at and said, he's perfect for the scheme and the defense I want to run? I mean, one guy that comes to mind is um, is Devin Witherspoon. And I, I know he plays a different position than Kyle Hamilton, but Kyle Hamilton is you know, had a great season for them. He's the, the I think, second-year uh, safety who really plays all over uh, for, in that Mike McDonald defense. And, again, he's more of a safety, whereas Devin Witherspoon is, is a cornerback. But, um, you know, I wonder if he can get equally um, – if he can kind of find something of a similar role for – uh, Witherspoon in Seattle, a guy who also has that kind of versatility. And so, um, you know, did, did it, did, did they really get down to the nitty gritty of things like that of potential free agents? I don't know. I don't know that. Uh, I know that these meetings are pretty exhaustive and, and I talked to somebody who said that, you know, he thought that, you know, that first interview might've lasted something like five hours or that that's generally the, you know, how long these interviews go. And so uh, maybe they got to that at some point, but um, yeah, I mean, Witherspoon is the name that comes to mind and obviously is a, a first round pick uh, this past year with, you know, a fifth year option down the road. Like he's not going anywhere anytime soon. 
Hey, I just had someone uh, text in about the impact of analytics. And Brady, it reminded me of of just the potential changes that we're going to see going from the oldest head coach in the NFL to the youngest. It's not that Pete shied away from that. And it's not that that even has to be your answer. But um, what's that like? I mean, already, what are some of your early impressions about some potential changes and feeling that could bring? In, in terms of Mike McDonald bringing yeah, just, that? Yeah, just going... In? To just it, it doesn't have to be with analytics. I think the assumption this listener had was that a younger head coach would turn toward it. But um, just you're going from Pete Carroll, the oldest head coach in the NFL, to a 36 year old. Like, what are some of the thoughts that you have as a reporter, having only covered a Pete Carroll team, now thinking like, God, what else? You know, what changes along with a new young head coach? Yeah, I mean, the the, the one thing, I, I, I don't know so much about the analytics and how much Mike McDonald uh, has or has not leaned into those. I, I, it just seems like an organization that would, uh, but I don't know that specifically, and that's something that I'm interested in, in asking him when uh, we do get a chance to talk to him. But, um, you know, I, I think, you know, going from Carroll to Mike McDonald, I mean, they are going from the oldest head coach in the NFL uh, to the youngest head coach in the NFL, Mike McDonald, as you said, is 36. I mean, um, that said, Pete Carroll was one of the youngest, you know, 72 year olds that you will ever see. And, and Mike McDonald, for being a young guy, you know, I've watched some press conferences of him, and he seems like a very buttoned up uh, guy. And and you could look at him and and think that yeah, he might be like ex-military, or he might, you know, you if you didn't know he was a football coach, you could look at him and wonder if he was like a you know somebody who works for NASA or right. somebody who works in like military intelligence or something. And so um, he seems like a very buttoned up guy. And I'm just curious what that approach is going to look like in Seattle and what his personality is going to really be knowing that, you know, one of the directive from Jody Allen to John Schneider was to, you know, maintain their positive culture. And so, um, you know, I'm curious about Mike McDonald's ability to kind of let his hair down and, uh, and have fun. And not that he has to be Pete Carroll 2.0 or have to be a Pete Carroll clone by any means, but, uh, I just wonder what kind of personality he's going to bring to Seattle. It's uh, it's crazy, man. He worked under both Harbaugh's, right? And you would think there's when I look at at least Jim, he resembles some of Pete Carroll a bit more than um, than his his brother John. Um, if there is anything you think that he should and will bring from being under both of those guys, what do you think it is? Oh, boy, that's a good one. I mean, yeah, two Harbaugh brothers. Of course, he was the, the Michigan's uh, defensive coordinator in 2021 after coming, uh, you know, and then he came back to Baltimore the next year as their defensive coordinator. Now, I, I hope he brings, uh, frankly, this is just, you know, me, my selfish reporter answer. I hope he brings some of the weirdness uh, that Jim Harbaugh had and uh, just some of the awkwardness, you know. I, I thought that would have been a fascinating hire. Uh, for the Seahawks just because of the, you know, entertainment factor. Um, so, again, he, he seems more like a buttoned-up, kind of straightforward guy. I don't think he's going to be any – he's not going to bring Jim Harbaugh's personality. I'm just joking there. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, both of those guys are just known for being tough, hard-nosed coaches that, um, you know, that they – they kind of have a style that they want to play and known as smart, tough teams. And uh, yeah, I think one thing that's interesting about Jim Harbaugh is he, you know, has came from special teams. Um, and, you know, 
uh, Mike McDonald, he didn't come from a special teams background, but he coached basically every position uh, on that Baltimore defense at one point or another. So even as a young guy, he's kind of had quite a bit of experience at different levels of the defense. He is ESPN Seahawks reporter Brady Henderson. Brady, we're going to let you go. Uh, I think you probably have a big day and a busy day talking about this hire with everyone. So thank you so much for giving us some of your time. We appreciate it. Thanks, Brady. Yeah, you got it. Thanks for having me. Quickly, the 89th Sports Star Award of the Year is coming up on February 15th. K.J. Wright is this year's host, and Seattle Sports will be there as well to celebrate the biggest sports stories and athletes of 2023. It's the 89th Sports Star of the Year Awards. Find tickets and info at seattlesports.com slash events. Let's get to Headline Rewrites. Headline Rewrites. We must make headlines. The real story behind the headlines in today's news with Bob and Stacey. Headline number one, easily the biggest one today. The Seahawks are hiring former Ravens defensive coordinator Mike McDonald to be their next head coach. He's the youngest head coach in the league at just 36 years old. What's the real headline? If your knees weren't already making you feel old, this hire will. For real. My knees hurt. My back hurt. I only got them by a couple of years, Ben. (laughs) But... Here's the thing, man. We saw this happen with McVay when he was 30 years yeah. old. And then we know the NFL is a league of trends. And we saw guys get hired earlier and earlier and earlier. And also guys are getting ex- more experience and more responsibility at a young age. So it's not like guys are just jumping into this. I think ownership is cha- changing a little bit. Uh, management is changing. They're saying, all right, let's get a younger guy that can connect, but also has the knowledge of a guy who's in his 40s, man. So this is just a testament to just how the game is changing. We see football players get bigger, faster, and stronger. We're seeing these these offensive and defensive minds get a bit more mature in their approach. So, um, yeah, I'm excited for the hire. As you guys know by now, about a two and a half hour into the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got the guy that we wanted. I'm excited to see what he does with this. I'll throw on that. Um, someone told me to check out the Ravens subreddit to kind of read through their reactions. I would read them to you guys, but like <laughs> 95% of it is not radio oh, friendly. Swears. I will just let you know that they are devastated. Devastated that, that McDonald is here in Seattle. Clean it up, Baltimore. Come on, guys. Headline rewrites. Headline number two, Damian Lillard makes his first trip back to Portland tonight as a visitor when the Bucks take on the Blazers. What's the real headline? Which means Blazers fan get get an up-close and personal look at what it means when a team gives its biggest star more talent. Ooh-wee. Shots fired. Shots yeah. fired. I'm just saying, you're finally going to see what it looks like they better, when you have more than one guy. They better show him some love, too. Yeah, 11 seasons over there. He's a third all-time leading scorer. He's second in minutes played. He's first when three-pointers made. He's averaged 25 points in his career over there with the Blazers. That's first in the league. Do the classy thing, which I think Portland's going to do, and uh, give him that standing ovation, uh, the montage, all that stuff, because Dame could have left a long time ago. He put over a decade there, and uh, you're right. The Bucks said, look, we'll surround you with, uh, with talent and give you a real opportunity to win after a decade. He deserves it. Headline rewrites. Headline number three in their last game before the 10-day All-Star break. The Kraken were shut out by the lowly San Jose Sharks 2 to nothing last night. What's the real headline? Like as someone who just took one, that last day before vacation is always the worst. For real. <laughs> and, get out of there. and the first day back. So knock yeah. on wood, let's hope the Kraken can hit the ground slash ice running. Well, you didn't have a vacation, but you're I did your have extended, a vacation. No, extended ex- excuse stay. me. I went camping. We've you didn't go camping. Was, I did go did camping. Not, I showed you guys cabin. pictures of the cabin. We went it camping. Cabin. It was a cabin. You saw wilderness. You saw nature. There's a mountain in one of the pictures. I saw marble uh, 
countertops. So a cabin can't have a kitchen? I saw... Vaulted ceilings. A, a light is I beautiful. I saw a Cabins of big are- house with trees around it. Yes. That was very comfortable. Mm-hmm. Cabin, I'm thinking, man, everything is wood in that thing. Yeah. Uh, the outside is. <laughs> that was luxury. That's <laughs> what that was. That was luxury. It was really fun. But to get back to my point. Okay. All right. You had an extended stay slash vacation, and your first day back has been awesome. You got breaking news. Yeah, I was going to say. So let's hope the Kraken can do the same thing when they come back. I came back before, or before breaking news, excuse me. Someone said a cabin is not camping. I consider it camping, and I don't care if that offends you. This is what, what are you going to do? Call in about show. it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm in. I'm. Let me. I am an indoor cat as a human. Like I don't. <laughs> I don't camp. I don't go outside. I mean, I go outside, but like to have a happy hour, you know, at a you, restaurant. You didn't show Bump and I that there was a, a pile of firewood like on the side of the house, and you're like, see, and then yes. and then we asked you, did anybody? In your party, <laughs> well, no, touch we did, that fire. Uh, we didn't need to. You know, the stove worked just fine. The stove worked. <laughs> nah, you mean the uh, <laughs> the heating? The heating worked just fine. You need you need to go from the four two five. You're an avid endorsement. That's you know exactly what? what it is. I saw something on, on the way here. It's uh, I'm not outdoorsy. I'm outsidey. That's what you are. You're outside. Yeah. Well, like, I'm you'll not go outside for a little bit, but yeah. you always have to have a place to retreat. It's not like you're staying outside. I've gone on a hike before. Um, I, I like sitting outside when it's not too hot or too cold. Um, I just don't, it's not for everyone. Like, I'm so tired of us pretending, especially in Washington, that like, if you don't go camping and go hiking, what are you even doing? You're not exploring nature. I'm living a life I like. Let I me do like it. Let me let me do my version of camping. Let me be happy. The things I did in Washington that I've never done in California. I've gone camping. I've been on uh, a lake. Okay. I went hiking. Okay. Um, I have bought a, uh, was it, Panagonia jacket. Uh-huh. I got one of those. Uh, there are things that I feel like you do need to do in the state of Washington. The only place where you got the water right there and the snow about two hours the other way. Mm-hmm. Stacy, I'm going to need you to, to tap into your Washingtonian. Okay. To I get her done. I'm. It felt, let me take baby steps. My first baby step. Stacy, I feel like you would buy all the gear. All of it, because it's 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 kind of cool to look at. It's sure. kind of cool to wear. It's really expensive, though. I it went is. to REI once, and there was a sleeping bag that was like $600. Maybe I'm exaggerating, but it was a couple hundred know. dollars. I don't think you are. Those are pretty Because it's for people that are like going to Machu Picchu. Like they're doing, it's, you know what I mean? That is not my version of camping. My version of camping is we rented a cabin and it's got full amenities, including HBO. <laughs> you didn't miss a dang we thing. Had, no, we had, we had a, a living room and a separate den with a TV where we watched the games. It was my, it was a great camping trip. I especially it enjoyed Glad it. Glad you enjoyed it. <laughs> All right, you guys, uh, we are so excited for our next guest. She has been gung-ho on Mike McDonald as Seahawks head coach, and finally she got her wish. ESPN's Mina Kimes joins us next. Bumpin' Stacy, Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. On Seattle Sports. Here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Rost. Joining us now in the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline. She was calling for Mike McDonald to be the new head coach of the Seahawks and got her wish. It's ESPN's Mina Kimes. Mina, how are you feeling about this new hire? This, I, I, this was my choice before anyone was hired. And obviously, uh, Seattle was kind of, you know, pretty late in the game uh, with only one opening left. 
So to see it work out this way, honestly, I'm shocked. I didn't think it would uh, go this way in, in Seattle's favor, and I think it's a very pleasant surprise. Yeah, we uh, we love it here too, Mina. And um, the first thing people do is is kind of pick apart what he's not, right? I feel like it's all the haters in Baltimore who are mad their DC are leaving. They're picking about picking apart all the things he isn't. But um, when you look at his coaching profile and his style, what are some things that stick out to you? There's a few things. I mean, we'll, we'll start with the on the field, the this, this schematic aspect of it, which is, I think, um, you know, what really jumps out, and, and I'm not the first person to say this, but in division where you're playing Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay's offenses twice a year, and we've seen, you know, our the Seattle defense struggle versus those offenses, it feels like, year after year lately, uh, to bring in a coach who has been so successful against those teams and, and teams with similar uh, approaches on offense like the Texans, the Dolphins, the Lions. Uh, there's some similarities there. The 49ers, obviously. Uh, that's so important, and it gives you hope, frankly, that this defense can get turned around. It's a, it's a fantastic scheme. It's one of my favorites to watch in the NFL, the complexity of what they do with their coverage rotations and their simulated pressure, something we talk about a lot on NFL Live. And it, it's really something you have to do in the modern NFL. And I also, as a Seattle has tried some of those things um, just over the last couple of years, but they haven't executed on them. And I think the hope is that, you know, he can, whether it's the existing personnel or bringing in new players, uh, whether they can improve on the execution side. And I think that's the other thing that I would highlight here that I think is so noteworthy. It's not just X's and O's and, and clever scheme stuff it is the fact that he seems to have gotten the most out of so many players at different points in their careers obviously young stars like Kyle Hamilton who's emerged as you know one of the best safeties in the NFL um, Patrick Queen really developing underneath him at inside linebacker free agent by the way someone to keep an eye on but also veterans guys like Kyle Van Noy, Jadevian Clowney, Michael Pierce up front all having career years in Baltimore that, to me, stands out because the number one thing you want out of a head coach is someone who can get the most out of their players. Well, and it's especially important when you're already not getting the most out of your players because, Mina, I'm sure mm. you would agree, though I don't want to put words in your mouth, that Seattle's defensive talent uh, was greater than their performance on the field. It's not like they don't have anyone out there, right? Yeah, it, it's it totally. Def, it, it's not like, I don't know, I, I think about watching the Eagles at the end where certainly there were issues with, the scheme and some of the approaches they took, uh, you know, game planning, but there were so many holes on that right. defense. And then you look at Seattle and I, you know, you could single out pass rush after Chen and Wosu went down. Obviously they have invested a fair amount of draft capital and trades up front, but there is talent at all three levels. And yet it felt like, you know, especially in recent years, they were underperforming relative to that talent for whatever reason. Maybe it's the wrong personnel for what they wanted to run. Injury certainly played a role. But I think the hope is that, um, you know, you can take a lot of the players who are already on the roster and that they can take, they can go to another level, pardon me, next year. Mina, um, Stacy and I had this conversation. We'd love to get your perspective on it. Um, you know, McDonald hasn't played football. He didn't play football, but he can coach the heck out of football. What are some of the advantages of um, a guy that's 36 years old, he's young, hasn't played the game? Uh, what advantages does he bring um, looking at the game from the angle he does by, you know, simply not playing the game? Yeah, you know, I've talked to players who have played for him, guys uh, in Baltimore, and, and I think – uh, the the brains jump out 
the teaching aspect of it, someone who sees the game in such a um, sort of elevated way and the modernity of the scheme, the way they dictate to offenses, which is sort of you know, so, so important in today's NFL. But, you know, I think sometimes with youth and, and, and I've only heard great things about um, coach interpersonally, there can also be some humility. I think back to Sean McVay when he was hired by the Rams, and there were a lot of question marks around that at the time. You guys yeah. remember he was about he was actually younger, but um, and one thing he did that I thought was so smart was he brought in Wade Phillips, coach defense, and said, "Hey, you got defense, <laughs> let's do that." At first, and I, I think that sort of is uh, something that would benefit McDonald as well offensively. That's a hire that still has to be made, but if he can find someone he can trust and sort of enlist him to handle that side of the ball so that he doesn't feel like there's too much responsibility in year one. I think that would be very helpful. You know, I wanted to lean into your X's and O's knowledge as an analyst just a bit for this answer, Mina. I think that it's very natural to look at the way the league is evolving offensively and go, oh, find your Sean McVay, find your Kyle Shanahan. And and anytime I listen to podcasts and NFL podcasts, including yours, which we love, um, there is obviously a focus on the way the offenses are evolving. But it feels like maybe especially this year, there was a focus on some really innovative defenses. Is Is that something that kind of caught your attention with McDonald as well? Absolutely, and and you really saw um, defense kind of strike back this year, yeah. I, and I think that really manifested itself a few times in the playoffs. By the way, of course, McDonald shutting out Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes' offense in the second half of that game was was pretty remarkable. Um, but yeah, I, you know, the defensive evolution is kind of ongoing, and um, I wouldn't say there's like an overwhelming kind of meta. Like it's not like everyone's running the same stuff the way we're talking about guys embracing the Fangio system a couple of years ago after the Rams won the Super Bowl. But the one thing you do notice with all, all the really great defenses is creativity. And this is something, by the way, that both Spagnuolo and McDonald have in common. The defenses, um, you know, they're, they're, there's a lot that differentiates them, especially how they approach pressure. But the thing that they have in common is they're both constantly confusing quarterbacks. Where that pressure is coming from, if it's coming at all, uh, and then the execution and coverage in, in uh, conjunction with that is so no- notable and obvious. Uh, so I think having a defensive coach it is interesting, guys, looking on the league. And you remember just a few years ago, it felt like if you were an offensive coach, a friend of McVay, right? Um, right. You were, you know, that was your first path to getting a head coaching job. And we are seeing a lot of defensive hires. And I think that has something to do with it. Staying on the defensive side, yeah, you mentioned Queen, who is a free agent this year. I look at Jordan Brooks, and I think he would go perfectly into what Mike McDonald wants to do. Do you agree or disagree with that? No, I totally agree. Um, Jordan, I think, is such an underrated player. Uh, you know, I, you've really seen him, I think, develop uh, mentally in terms of his ability to diagnose coverages, read quarterbacks, and, you know, it, it's very hard to play inside linebacker in the NFL these days. And it takes a second, you know, with him, it's always just been to me, or at least it's been the last couple of years, just a matter of health. And I think if he was healthy, I, you know, and, and I believe he is going to be next year, I, you know, I'd be all for Seattle keeping him. And I think there'd be a lot of appeal for McDonald, but because that's a position they really have to nail. It's so important to his scheme. Obviously in Baltimore, you have arguably the best linebacker in tandem in the league this year. So that, that's something that I imagine they'll prioritize. 
I know this isn't directly related to the head coach, but you bring in a defensive guy, especially a brilliant defensive guy, and you start thinking, oh, what if we can, you know, try this with Jamal Adams one more time? Obviously, his cap hit yeah. is only going to increase, and he had injuries this year, kind of some weird off-the-field, you know, tension. Do you look at it as, hey, here's a chance to really take advantage and make this trade work, or, hey, love the hire of McDonald, but I do think it's still time to move on from Adams? Uh, you guys would know better than I what this. I haven't looked at his contract, um, sort of what the status is in terms of moving on from him. But just as a player, I do think that there's a lot that uh, McDonald could do with him. I think there's a lot that the existing coaches wanted to do with him. Conversations I had over the years, and and because of the health, they just weren't able to. And again, similar to Brooks, I do think questions of health will probably factor into that decision going forward. Because mm-hmm. if they move on. Uh, that's another position that they'll have to address, whether in the draft or free agency. Yeah, I don't know about post June first, but right now it would be only six million in cap savings. Though the first year you'd have cap mm-hmm. savings, so it, yeah, it's tough. Mm-hmm. Mina, um, yeah, do you think true. it was um, how difficult was this decision for McDonald? I mean, you, you stay. We saw him kind of Ben Johnson set the tone, like, "Look, I'm going to stay." And then Slowick says, look, "I'm going to stay too." Um, you look at the Ravens and say, "You have an MVP type quarterback." Um, you got health in the tight end room now. You got some weapons on the outside. Then you look at the commanders in, in Seattle. Was this a, a difficult decision? You know, I, it, I think what's tricky, guys, is you, you, with the coaches who do stay, like Ben Johnson, you never really know what the decision was, right? Like, um, you never know, well, did they actually walk away from a job? Was right. it a sure thing? What were the terms of it? There's There's a lot of smoke this time of year frankly um so it it can be hard to read because generally my feeling is with uh, you know just coordinators and and ones i've talked to over the years when the opportunities come up you usually take them because there's no guarantee they'll come up again and i'll I'll say this about you know mcdonald coming here seattle's a good a good job i I thought the commander's job actually had some appeal as well because it's more of like a blank slate but Seattle, to me, you know, is a team where there's already a lot of talent on the roster. You have a quarterback I think is good. You know, you're, you're set at that position, in my opinion, in Geno Smith. Um, and then, as we've been discussing, there, there are talented players on defense. So, uh, you know, yeah, you can always wait and say, maybe we'll get to the Super Bowl, but it's really hard to get back to the Super Bowl as well. <laughs> or to get to the Super Bowl, pardon me, in the case of Baltimore. So it's, I'm not surprised that he took a job, and I'm obviously thrilled that it was Seattle. You were asking for this one a while back, called it a while back, and you finally got your wish. Mina, so did we. We're so happy about it. And we're happy to have you on to, uh, to help us understand a bit more the X's and O's behind why you love McDonald's so much as a candidate. Thanks so much. Thanks, Mina. Thanks for having me, guys. She is ESPN's Mina Kimes. Make sure you listen to her podcast, too. I'm sure she will have reaction to this one uh, in this new hire for Seattle. ESPN's Mina Kimes joining us on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline. We are taking a look around the rest of the NFL next, including a follow-up on some beef between uh, Travis Kelsey uh, and uh, and Justin Tucker. We also, I might get to that in the timeline, but but I kind of want to make sure we cover that one. So get to it next. Don't go anywhere. Bumpin' Stacy. 
powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios on Seattle's Sports Station. Here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Rost. Taking a step out of Seattle and looking around the NFL. Just a quick break here from the breaking news that was in Seattle. New Seahawks head coach Mike McDonald. We are instead going to look uh, at a former Seattle quarterback, kind of, Washington quarterback, Michael Penix. ESPN draft analyst Matt Miller had some very high praise for Penix following the first day of senior bowl practice. Michael Penix Jr. was the more impressive quarterback today. If I had to grade these guys based on who won the first practice on Tuesday, it would be Michael Penix. I've not seen him throw in person before, I'll be honest with you. So seeing the size in person, that stood out to me. But then watching the way the ball pops off his hand, it explodes out of his hand. Even though he has that kind of elongated delivery, there's a little bit of a Philip Rivers here with that delivery, but he, he gets the ball where it needs to go on time. The power's fantastic. Bo Nix did not have a bad day, but Michael Penix had a great day. That's why he was the clear-cut winner from that morning practice, throwing to some really talented receivers. But he looks like the player best ready to come in and really build that momentum as we get into practice tomorrow. Now, Michael Penix Jr., not on first-round draft boards for a couple guys, including Mel Kuyper. So I'm interested, Bump, to see what he can do at Senior Bowl. We ain't talking fast. They just been listening slow. <laughs> We've been talking about Penix and his abilities all day. Now, I realize that not everybody is invested in West Coast football the sure. way we are, and they have to see it to believe it, and that's why it's important that these guys go to the Shrine, they go to uh, the Senior Bowl, all that good stuff, because um, some guys need to see it, and that's what's happening with Michael Penix, man. I'm glad that it's happening for him. Maybe he'll move up. He's got big hands. He's 6'2". He's gone a couple seasons without being injured. Everything is saying that he should move up on draft boards, man. I don't think he'll move up too high because there are some guys who guys are uh, analysts and scouts just believe in off top, and they should. Caleb Williams, come on now. Jane Daniels, the year that he had, for sure. But then once you start getting to JJ, you get to get to Drake, and you get to, to Bo and Penix, I think that uh, the, the gaps in between the talent are a lot tighter, and I think they're seeing that now. Uh, now, I didn't cover this story when I was out, but you guys did. And it was obviously the pregame dust up, a little battle of words between Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey and Justin Tucker with not Mahomes and Kelsey fighting with each other, but uh, taking issue with Justin Tucker being in their area when they were warming up ahead of the AFC Conference Championship game. Travis Kelsey shared his version of the dust up. Now, specialists, because of like the win factor and yeah, they go to where both you sides are, they get they get a chance to kick at, at both field goals and kind of punt from both sides of the field. If you're trying to go onto the other team's designated area, you kind of stay out of their way. You don't interfere with what they have going on. If you want to be a about it, you keep your helmet and your football and your kicking tee right where the quarterbacks are warming up and they're dropping. Eyes are looking left and they got a, a helmet down by their feet. It's actually kind of dangerous, really. But. Like, if you're not going to pick that up, I'll happily move that for you. Now, the first time I saw this interaction was obviously the day of the game when the video was floating around Twitter. And I thought, oh, my God, what's going Pat, what are you doing, Patrick? That's not like you. <laughs> what's going on here? Uh, and I was, of course, remembering, I mean, like an NFC playoff dust up between member Bruce Irvin and Jimmy Graham right. when Jimmy Graham was stretching in the Seahawks area. And, and uh, Bruce Irvin was like, get out of the way. Or maybe it was vice versa. I don't remember. Um, either way, uh, it's not abnormal, but it was for me to see Patrick Mahomes seeing it. What do you make given Kelsey's explanation? I'm going to break this all down for you guys. Okay. Here, here's what he didn't mention. There's a time where there are designated areas for each team to start warming up. There's a specific time where you cannot be in that area. That went down outside of that time. It wasn't... Now, Pat Mahomes, you show respect to one of the guys you can get out of his way, right? But 
Tucker could be there. He could be there if he wanted to. Now, Pat Mahomes also said that he asked Tucker to move his stuff, and he moved it like two inches and set it back down. That's what triggered this thing. So now Travis Kelsey being like, I'll be the bad cop. Pat Mahomes, you're the golden boy. You're mm-hmm. the face of the league. Don't worry about this. I got you. But the fact that you let Justin Tucker get into your head like that, it's hilarious to me. End of the day, they won the ball game. But Tucker had the right to be there, but yeah. just out of respect, right? It's like unspoken rules, right? Gentlemen's rules or whatnot. Um, you move out the way. So Tucker was messing with him. He could have been there. Travis was the big homie and said, I got you, golden boy. And uh, they whooped their butt. You whooped their butt, but they got the W. I'm stuck on it being a bad look for Patrick Mahomes. You think it's a bad look? I, I mean, think so. I think, I, again, I can't go hard on that point because I have always said like I, I you know I love it when a quarterback or a main player is authentic and if you're being authentic if that's exactly how you feel in that moment I also always love a little bit of edginess with Patrick Mahomes you know what I mean when he gets into some fights or you know starts jawing with someone it's just yeah, knowing that Justin Tucker can be there it's not like he's in your space when he shouldn't be exactly that's the thing he could be there but yeah. there's this is how this thing works Stacey that is Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> J- Tucker, <laughs> yeah. I realize you're one of the greatest and not the greatest kicker in the world. Fair. That is Patrick Fair. Mahomes, son. Come on, man. All right. Uh, let's get to our next one here. Odell Beckham Jr. was mic'd up uh, for the Ravens and uh, also wondering, like the rest of us, why Lamar and the Ravens aren't running the ball more. You change the whole dynamic of the game when you take off. We got to get you going on. What the f- yeah, I was wondering the same thing. As that was, was probably him to everyone Lamar? Mm-hmm. Yeah, everybody was wondering the same thing, Lamar. Goodness gracious, let that man be him. Don't force him to be a quarterback. So He's weird. not. Come on now. Now, they still had 81 yards on the ground in that 17-10 loss to the Kansas City Chiefs. enough. It's definitely not enough. I mean, in part uh, because of a long of uh, 21 for Jackson, so he had a big pickup there. Edwards had a long of 15. You take those out, and you're looking at, like, a horrible day of, like, 14 total carries for, like, 50-something yards. That's not enough for the number one rushing team They should team have football. 40 carries in that dang what's game. What's going on? Monkey God. Goodness gracious. And what's really weird is it's not like, uh, you know, the Chiefs defense is excellent against the run. It was such a weird... I didn't quite get they that. They were I'm still in stuck nickel on and it. dime most of the game. I'm stuck on it. Run the dang ball. I'm so frustrated for Lamar. Granted, you have to play better. I understand that, but your OC did not help you out. Do you think that this was someone out thinking, an OC Lamar out thinking the situation? Do you think it was an attempt to show that Lamar could beat them with his arm i mean what was this it was dumb <laughs> they're a nickel and dime you're the best running team in the land you got the most athletic quarterback to ever do this yep. what were it was dumb stacy i'm I sorry monkey you know more football than me but in that moment right there that wasn't very smart all right we are getting back to the big story of the day that is the new seahawks head coach we finally have one now it's not been confirmed by the seahawks but we're all moving forward as if this is official and we will let you know the second the seahawks say something new seahawks head coach according to espn's adam Schefter, is mike mcdonald former ravens defensive coordinator coming up next seahawks radio analyst brian walters is going to tell us what he thinks of the hire don't go anywhere